0: Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Beelis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. Today, my friend Amy Gannett and I are discussing the gifts and fruit of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know her, Amy has joined us on the podcast twice already, that's how much I like her, and her first book, Fix Your Eyes, How Theology Shapes Our Worship, released with B&H Publishers on October 5th. As you'll hear Amy's wife, mother, and church planter with her family in Greenville, North Carolina, Amy Gannett, welcome back to the Journey Women Podcast. (laughs)
1: Thanks for having me. It's always (laughs) so fun to have these conversations with you.
0: It just feels like deja vu at this point. I mean, we've done this at least two times for Journey Women. I've done this for some of the things that you've put out on your own platform. So many people that are tuning in probably already know what you do. I don't even think I can keep track of everything that you do, because it really boggles my mind how you do what you do. Uh, by the Lord's grace, I know you'd say, but let me just tell them really quickly. You are married to Austin, who I just think is such a stand-up guy, and I wish that we could just have some chats around the charcuterie board on a Sunday evening oh, with you, because I'm pretty that. sure, yeah, he and Brooks would be buddies. You have one daughter. You also are church planting. Mm -hmm. Every time I say that you're church planting, I always forget if it's North or South Carolina. It's North Carolina. North Carolina. Man, I just love the way that you and Austin go about co-laboring for the gospel together. You guys just love Jesus, and you produce a number of different helps to encourage women and children to look to Jesus in whatever phase of life they're in through your verse-by-verse studies and then also through tiny theologians, which I think is how I originally came to know you. It's this wonderful company that you've created that creates spiritual helps and really I mean as a mom it's for me like it's you know yes we're talking about this man or woman from church history or we're talking about uh, what this particular Greek word looks like and means but really it's because I'm kind of trying to get my theology fixed over uh, oatmeal and Cheerios and <laughs> and all of those things flying all over the kitchen table. So thank you so much for everything that you do. But man, I want to say one last thing. You've published a book and it's called Fix Your Eyes. I had the opportunity to endorse that book. I've read every word. I was telling you, man, I read it in a crazy season and it edified me in that season. But I was even picking it up again last night. And it's really one of those books, Amy, that you can reference for a lifetime. Each chapter too, I love how like if you wanted to go in and you wanted to study one particular kind of facet of theology or doctrine, you could do that and it can stand alone. So that was really awesome to me that I could reference this. And today we're going to focus on uh, one particular chapter in your book, though every one of them is so valuable. But I asked if you would come on and talk about the Holy Spirit particularly the gifts and fruit of this spirit, because it's something that I feel like you deal with really well. So welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me, and thank you so much for writing this book.
1: Absolutely. Well, the book was a joy to write, but who can say no to talking about the third person of the Trinity, right? I mean, we get to talk about the Holy Spirit, which I think is maybe one of those more neglected theological topics. Like We're really quick to talk about God triune or God the Father, God the Son is like so exciting. You know, we're talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus, the incarnation, the ascension, all of those things. And then we come to the Holy Spirit and we're like, "Um, yeah, the Spirit is like the Spirit's part of the Trinity. Yeah, let's move on to something else because we just don't know what to say. But when we stop and look at the Holy Spirit in scripture, there is so much richness there for us as believers. It's just really exciting. So thanks for having me on because I think this topic is one that really fuels the church for ministry. And um, as we lean into it and not away from it, I mean, Hunter, you've probably heard me say this one million times, but a lot of times when we come to mysterious things in the biblical text, our impulse can be like, "Mm, lean away. Like that seems confusing or that seems intimidating. So let's lean away. But instead, when we lean into it, we actually find that there's so much there for us. So I think this is one of those topics. We just get to lean in today. And that's really exciting for me.
0: See, and I'm the, I'm the type of person who wants to lean in, but I gotta have a buddy to link arms with. And so do nobody that I could think of uh, who I'd rather <laughs> link arms with than you <laughs> on this topic. But I think before we dive in, I really wanna address kind of the elephant in the room. I mean, people listening know that we're coming from, you know, a theologically conservative context. And so different church traditions actually uh, tackle the topic, the Holy Spirit, the gifts, the fruit of the Holy Spirit differently. So can we briefly kind of talk about about the spectrum of differences that people may have bumped into along the way and what we might all have in common?
1: Yeah, that's great. That's a great way to phrase that question because actually... The way you're setting up that question points out a reality that we see throughout church history and throughout the scriptures is that there are sort of these essentials of the Christian faith that we need to have in common to call ourselves Christians and to link arms with other believers, you know, to say this is what it means to be a professing Christian and to believe that the scripture is the word of God. And one of those essential, you know, primary issues Is the reality of the Holy Spirit as a third member of the Trinity? You know, the triune God is an essential topic. The Holy Spirit being the third member of that Trinity is, you know, totally an essential first-year issue. But then the way that we interpret scripture when it talks about the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit and how those are at play in our world today. Now, there's a reason that scholars throughout church history have studied this intentionally. And let's not, you know, make our own opinions on scripture, you know, loom too large in our own minds. There are scholars who have studied the biblical text in the original language, translated them, and they end up on different sides of this spectrum that we're going to be talking about. And so there's a reason for that. So that's why how this plays out is really a second tier issue. So it's important for us to distinguish that. What do we have that's, you know, distinct from other, maybe church traditions or different denominations or different, Um, theological viewpoints, you know, it's important to talk about those things so that we know where we fall and we know how we're interpreting scripture and the community that we find ourselves is interpreting scripture. But it's also important that we say what makes it essential to being a believer is believing in the Holy Spirit. So we don't have to have all the details identical to still have church unity, you know. Uh So in the, the essentials, we want to have unity, but God isn't just after uniformity from top Mm -hmm. to bottom, we don't all have to agree on all the details. That would be seeking uniformity, but we can still have unity. Even as we say, we all believe Mm in the Holy spirit. We practice this differently or we approach these difficult passages in scripture differently. So I think it's really important that we frame the whole conversation that way so that we don't get too caught up on the minutia of like the Mm -hmm. spiritual gifts or specifically the sign gifts. So let's, let's lay this out for a person who's saying, Hey, I'm brand new to this conversation. I know who the Holy Spirit is, but beyond that, you know, I don't, I don't really know much. So, um, the way that um, Christians have approached this conversation throughout church history is everyone affirms that the Trinity um, is made up of Father, Son, and Spirit, and the Spirit indwells believers and is doing the sealing and regenerating and sanctifying work that Christ accomplished on our behalf in salvation. So, all of us agree on that. Now, how that works out is where we're going to see some of these distinctions. Mm-hmm. Scripture approaches this um, way the Spirit operates in two categories, fruits and gifts. And we're going to talk about fruits a little bit later in our conversation, I think. But when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, Scripture tells us that there are lots of ways that the Spirit gifts believers to serve the Mm -hmm. church. So there's gifts of teaching and of prophecy and speaking in tongues and gifts of administration and gifts of shepherding. There are all of these different gifts that Scripture references. And the two primary Poles, if you will, the two primary camps that fall on different polar opposite sides of the spectrum um, have to do with these sign gifts. So they're the gifts that we see in the Book of Acts that fill, you know, the apostles. They fill believers to point people to Jesus as the Messiah. They're they're meant to point to um, the reality that there is one Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. And so, um, there's a reason these are called signs and wonders right? In the mm. New Testament, we see signs and wonders. They're signs that point to who the Messiah is and they're wonders because they make unbelievers wonder, who is this God and what is he up to in the world, right? So they're called that not arbitrarily. They're signs pointing to God and they're wonders causing people to wonder about God. Mm. But where we see a lot of distinction is on these signs and wonders, these spiritual gifts that we would call, are more they're more sensational. So gifts of prophecy, gifts of speaking in tongues, gifts of healing, those sorts of things. So The two main camps when it deals with those specific sign gifts are the cessationist camp, which is the camp that is on the most conservative side of the spectrum. That would say all of the sign gifts ceased with the early church because now the spirit is here. The gospel is here we have the word of God being formed in the early church. And so those gifts are no longer necessary. And they look at several passages in scripture that seem to indicate, you know, that the sign gifts will cease. And on the other end of the spectrum, there are the continuationists, those that would say, no, the gifts of the spirit, all the gifts, the sign gifts as well as the other gifts continue to today. And they look at passages in the New Testament, even the same passages, and they interpret it differently saying, no, all of these gifts continue. They just may look different depending on culture and, era and church context, that sort of thing. So those are the two primary poles. And then as with so many things, right, you could talk about any complex topic within theology, there's poles and then there's people who fall all along the path in between. So it's not that you have to be a cessationist or a continuationist, Mm -hmm. but generally speaking, you're going to find doctrinal camps fall close to one of the poles or the other or somewhere along that spectrum.
0: Mm-hmm. I wonder if the reason why, like you referenced, uh, we often neglect talking about the Spirit of God is just because that feels really overwhelming. Like, you're mm-hmm. like, okay, there may be people that I respect who fall closer to one side of the spectrum, and there may be people that I also respect who fall closer to the other side of the spectrum. So why is it important that we personally, like, dive into the study of the Holy Spirit, even though that can feel really overwhelming?
1: Right. That is an awesome question. And the reason I love that question is because it's that same lean in impulse to Mm -hmm. say, this does seem overwhelming and scary, but because we trust the God of scripture Hmm. to be good, to be holy, to be for us as believers, because we believe that he's a loving father who cares for his children, because we believe him to be righteous, we can lean in. We don't have to be afraid that we're going to discover God to be someone who we thought he wasn't. And it's going to be a disappointment. If ever we learn something about God in scripture that we didn't know was there before, it's going to be only for our benefit. So we want to lean into this topic. I think we have a lot of mystery around the spirit. You know, God, the father is spoken of in scripture in pretty didactic terms. God, the father is oversees creation and sends the son. So we're given these like really specific tasks of God, the father throughout the scriptures. And then with God, the son, even more so like for human, the human impulse to say, I want to say specific and definite things about God. I mean, the son of God gives us like Jesus bodily. He was incarnated, became fully man, fully God. He bodily died and he didn't pretend to be dead. He didn't look dead. He really died. He really bodily rose again. He really bodily ascended. These are the things he did. So we can say really specific things. And then when we come to the Holy Spirit, we can say specific things, but the way that they played out in the early church, which is our witness, right? The book of Acts is our witness. And the way they play out there, we're like, oh, that has a lot of mystery. And there's Mm. a reason that in the early church, there's this whole era of church leaders that it was called the mystics, right? Because they're studying the spirit and the spirit seems to be doing particular signs and wonders in that era because there was this revival happening in the early stages of the church. And all of a sudden, you know, people are like, well, that was unexpected. And that was something beyond what I can totally describe in specific, clear terms. And so, there's a reason. There's a lot of mystery around it. And so instead of leaning away, we lean in. So the reason it's so important for us to study the Holy Spirit. The reason it's so important that we as individuals and as the church today study it, study the Holy Spirit is because the scriptures testify to us three very specific things about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to unpack these throughout our conversation, but one, the Holy Spirit dwells in believers. Jesus actually says after he's risen from the dead, he's about to ascend into heaven. He looks at his disciples and he says, mm-hmm. hey, I am going to return to heaven, but it's actually for your benefit. Actually, mm-hmm. something better is coming. And the disciples probably looked at him totally flabbergasted because they're going, you just died. We lost you. You rose again. And here you are. We're ready to like set you on the throne of Jerusalem. But you're going to go away. How could anything possibly be better than having their Savior back from the dead? Mm. How could anything possibly be better? But what Jesus meant was he was sending the helper, which is the Holy Spirit, because Jesus, Emmanuel, was God with us, but the Spirit was going to be God in believers. So the Spirit indwells believers. And so if Jesus says it's better than him walking this earth in his resurrected body, Mm then we have to believe it's better and we need to mm-hmm. study this Holy Spirit because we need to know why, why is that better? So the Holy Spirit actually mm-hmm. dwells us is the member of the triune God that dwells within us even right now as we're having this conversation. So we need to pay attention to that, right? If Jesus says it's better, we need to believe it and we need to know why the spirit equips us with gifts that are meant to serve the church. So We are a generation in particular that loves self-discovery. We love the idea of figuring out how we're wired, how God has created us. But a lot of times we neglect this part of the conversation. How has God gifted me for service? Not just Mm -hmm. how do I make decisions or how do I address conflict or, you know, whatever. We actually should know how we're gifted for service in the church. And that has to do with the Holy Spirit. And then the entire New Testament testifies to us about what it means to follow Jesus and to live lives that are becoming more holy as God is holy. That's the, the theological term for this is being sanctified. As we walk the process of sanctification, we are going to bear what scripture says is the fruit of the spirit. And so if the spirit is the one doing the sanctifying work in our lives, and also it's the fruit of the spirit that is going to be evidence in our own lives that we're becoming more like the God that we worship, well, we really want to pay attention to that. So this isn't an abstract, far away theological concept. Like as close as we can imagine it coming, the Holy Spirit is super personal for us theologically. So it's going to affect how we approach worship of God in a daily way, our sanctification in a daily way, our service in our local church in a regular way. So it's very, very personal. It's not abstract and it's not far away.
0: Absolutely. I love how your whole book really just helps us make that connection between theological truths and what we're doing in our day-to-day lives. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the Word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. One of the most encouraging verses. I've referenced this, I think, on the podcast before, but it really is something that I cling to in the midst of having three kids who are young. And man, I just I'm telling you what I am being purified. (laughs) The fire is hot right now. And when Paul in Romans 8 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And it's like, man, I'm feeling kind of dead today. Like I'm actually, like, I think I might die. Uh, But then reminding myself, no, 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 no. I have life. And the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is in dwelling me right now. And that helps me to then move hmm. toward whatever situation, whatever fire is burning with love and mercy and grace, just as He's done for me. So can we talk about that, though? How is it that we come to be indwelt by the Spirit? How are we filled by the Spirit, and then what evidence might we see in our lives if we are kind of people of the presence, if you will?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, the, we come to be filled by the Spirit or with the Spirit at the time of salvation. Scripture talks about how um, God has actually given us the Spirit of God as a deposit of our salvation. So I love that language. We'll revisit what that looks like in terms of, you know, what kind of metaphor or what kind yeah. of why God uses that illustration so that we can understand the way that the spirit works in our lives. But the spirit is given to us by God himself. God himself is giving us himself. And so this should not surprise us because ever since the beginning, God has given himself for us and for our salvation. So when Adam and Eve, the parents of the human race and parents of the faith, uh, when they fell into sin and all the world fell in tandem, you know, now we're we're not just born sinful because we're born from their sinful line, but we actually commit sin because we are sinful. When that gap between us and God, our sinful nature and God's holy nature, needed to be reconciled, God didn't just make another way. He gave himself hmm. for our salvation. You know, he gave himself in Jesus Christ in the incarnated Son. And so it should not surprise us that when it comes to walking with him through this life and sealing us for salvation in the life to come, that he gives us no other than himself. So the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity, giving himself for our spiritual lives and spiritual sustenance today. So we are filled with the Spirit as we place our faith in Jesus Christ. And our scripture said, confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead. We are saved. And we are filled with the Holy Spirit. I think that There's a lot of ways that we can talk about the spirit's presence in our lives, but I love this language that scripture uses about the Holy Spirit being given as a deposit, you know, one of the things that Austin and I were proud of throughout much of our (laughs) early married life is that we were like the best rental tenants. You know, we have landlords who loved us. Like we had one landlord that was like, if I don't raise the rent, will you stay? And we're like, we're actually like moving out of state. Like it wasn't really an option. They're like, okay, if we reduce your rent, will you stay? (laughs) Like it was just, we were quiet, homebodies, that sort of thing. But no matter how glowing our next landlord reference was, no matter you know what kind of application we put in, they always require a deposit. And it's a security for the property owner that you aren't going to trash the place and then move out and leave them worse for wear. Well, in the same way, God has actually given us the deposit of the Holy Spirit in mm-hmm. our lives. And it's mm. a promise, mm. not just that, we will be forever secure in the life to come, right? Because when we put down a financial deposit on an apartment, it really has to do with the future. Like if you leave, you know, you, um and you leave a mess here, like your future <laughs> financial situation is going to change. So God gives us the spirit as a deposit, assuring us that we will have life with God now because the spirit is in us, but also in the life to come. Like yeah. he's going to see you through to the new heavens and new earth because he cannot... Actually, withdraw upon himself. God has the deposit God has given is not something we give money. That's not actually giving ourselves. That's actually something tangential to us. But God actually gives us Himself, and He cannot lose Himself. You know, as the deposit is placed in our spiritual lives, he's going to see us through to the new heavens and new earth. That's his assurance to us. But also it means, you know, just like when you put down a deposit, it's not just future assurances. It actually Uh means, okay, you fulfilled the requirements to move in and have this whole home and life in this space. God gives us the Holy Spirit as a deposit for life now. The Holy Spirit enables us to live spiritually alive lives now. So you say, I feel really dead, but by the Spirit we're made alive. And so he enables us to live lives that please God, where we couldn't on our own, enables us to rejoice even in our sufferings, where we could not on our own. He enables us to bear the fruit of the Spirit, even where we could not on our own. So you asked, what are some of the signs that we would see in our own lives? of the Spirit's work, I think one of the main, the the first things that we see in the life of a believer, a sign that the Holy Spirit is at work in them is first that recognition of dependence on God. You know, we are a self-sustaining people. We love to rely on ourselves. And so when someone comes to God and says, God, I need you mm-hmm. in my sin, I cannot save myself. We already see proof that the Spirit has been at work because that's not a message that's natural to us. And so as somebody says. God, you saved me. I know I'm eternally secure because i place my faith in Jesus, but I need you now. In Uh my life today, I'm dependent on you to do what is right, to please you, to obey your commands, to live a life that resembles the life of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. That dependence is a sign to us that we are walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh. There are lots of signs that somebody is growing in the spirit, you know, the fruit of the spirit in Galatians five is listed for us. Um, Love, joy, peace, patience. I mean, all of those things do not come naturally to the Uh human form. Like you said, like when you have a daily life where you're navigating children and busyness and financial discussions and relational struggles and time constraints, when we're dealing with all these things, none of, you know, patience, not natural, joy, not natural, love, not natural, but by the spirit, we're going to see more and more evidence that those things are being brought about in our lives.
0: Mm. Can you talk about how that reality just kind of impacts you on a personal level, like how you see that truth fleshing out in your life
1: yeah, in each area of my life, you know, I I some days I I talk about like I wear a lot of hats, you know, like I run a small business and I'm a church planter and I'm a wife and I'm a mother and all of these things, and I'm a friend and I'm a writer, and, you know, all of these different hats that I wear. In some ways, abiding in the spirit and letting the spirit guide, each of those feels so different. The spirit guiding in church planting is different than the spirit guiding me as I disciple Emerson, our daughter. But at the same time, When you look at the thread of the Spirit's work in our lives, you just see how consistently faithful he's been across all these spectrums and how he leads in such a singular way to point us to God. So for me personally, one of the big ways that God has given me renewed reliance on the spirit is in motherhood. Emerson is almost 19 months. And so we're like entering, you know, full-blown toddlerdom. And, you know, we're just getting into the tantrum, you know, season of life. You know, she threw her first tantrum a few weeks ago. And I was like, what is this? And then I was like, oh, we're like starting that season, you know? And um, they're very short-lived and they're over really generally small things at this point. But, It pushed me afresh into this reliance on God, that my own spirit would remain gentle because it does not come naturally to me to remain gentle, that my words would be full of kindness, Mm -hmm. where my words normally are not kind in a situation like that where I'm frustrated, that I would exhibit joy and peace, which are only by the spirit, because in times like that where I'm like, I just want you to eat your peas. Like That's all I'm asking, right? It's not that hard. <laughs> when that's when there's um, conflict over things like that, it's not natural to me to display these attributes. But it has reminded me of how many times each day I just need the spirit to be at work and enable me to do things that are not natural to me. And then in the realm of church planting, I think the spirit has done an incredible work and it is. I, I say that I should say that in the present tense is doing an incredible work in my heart and my husband's heart, giving us this ongoing dependence on God for the work of church planting, yeah. but also perspective, reminding us that it's actually the Spirit who is building His church in this world. And it's the Spirit who's uniting His church in this world and the Spirit who's causing the gospel to go forth through His church in this world and in our community. And um, I, you know, I, I have a little bit of a bone to pick with a lot of the church planting resources that are out there because a lot of them you pick up, you know, the church planting, you know, whatever. I mean, there's so many, <laughs> pick a name, um, but so much of them are like marketing strategy and how to build a core team and how to get the word out about your big launch and stuff like that. And all of those things have a place like you need to fill your toolbox with good tools. that are going to help you communicate clearly and all those things. But I think one of the underlying messages that we've heard from a lot of the church planting materials is that really, if it's all about marketing, it's all up to me. And that bringing people into the church and building the church is up to me. But when we rely on the spirit, we're reminded God's doing something much bigger been building Trinity Church Greenville here in Greenville, North Carolina. He's doing something much bigger than bringing people just to one service on Sunday. He's actually building his kingdom. And so, of course, that can't be On me. I just have to be faithful, but I have to rely on the Spirit. Otherwise, I'm going to be all about building my own kingdom and building a platform for myself, and then looking out on a full Sunday and patting myself on the back and being so proud of myself, and then looking out on a small Sunday and feeling so discouraged, like I've displeased God. And none of those are biblical truths. And so the Spirit really keeps my eyes on Jesus and what He's doing rather than on myself. And that's really gosh, that's a miraculous work. That Mm -hmm. does not come natural to us. So those are two of the ways in two areas of life right now that I'm seeing the Spirit at work and I'm so thankful.
0: I'm really glad that you mentioned that about church planting specifically. I know so many of our listeners are ministry spouses and they're going to find that so encouraging just because I do feel like there's some potential worldly pressure put on you to perform in that capacity and just to remind all of our ministry spouses out there that like, this is a work of the spirit. That's such an encouragement. You know, one of the things that over knowing you for now years, you are really passionate about the gifts and fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I now say fruit, singular, because of (laughs) you. And we've had a whole conversation um, about this actually on the podcast, which I would encourage people to go back and reference really your your other two conversations that we've had. They're both really good. This one was super illuminating for me. It's on the fruit of the Spirit. But what are the fruit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit? You've referenced them in passing as we've gone about this conversation. But could you just kind of lay those out if somebody's trying to get just a better grasp for how scripture describes the fruit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit.
1: Yeah. I do encourage listeners to go back and listen to our conversation on that because we, especially if this is a topic that they're like, Oh, I've never really thought about this before. It is really interesting, but we unpack it so much more specifically in that conversation, but the fruit of the spirit, there's a reason that scripture uses that language because the spirit is actually growing and nurturing and cultivating Likeness of God in our hearts. So God's attributes, or attributes, is just the way that we talk about characteristics that belong to God. God's attributes can be split into two different categories. There's incommunicable attributes, so attributes that only belong to God. So things like. God alone is all-knowing, right? We're not all-knowing. He doesn't expect us to grow in being all-knowing. He is all-powerful. God alone is all-powerful. He doesn't expect us to grow in that. But then God also has communicable attributes that do communicate to us, and He does call us to mirror His character in these ways. And the fruit of the Spirit is a great place to start when we think about God's communicable attributes, the attributes that belong to God, that he invites us by the power of the spirit to possess as well and grow in. So the spirit is actually growing these and cultivating these attributes in our heart. So Galatians five is where we see this. Um, actually through tiny theologians, I have a set of flashcards that go through the fruit of the spirit for kids. So if p- parents are going, Oh, I would love to talk to my kids about, um, you know, Pymus. how they can become more like God, but I don't want it to become this sort of moral beating over the head. Like, you know, just be kinder, you know, because has anybody ever become more kind by being told that? Or especially like be more patient. And then somebody's like, oh, that really helped me. You know, nobody has actually found (laughs) that that beneficial. So the only way we can do it is because God has shown us kindness, and we reflect on God's kindness, and then we rely on the indwelling spirit and ask him, make us more like God. Plant the seed of kindness in my heart and nurture it and grow it, which we talked about this in the other episode that was more on the fruit of the spirit, but that... Cultivating work is used all throughout Scripture, and I think that we do it a disservice when we just call it an illustration or we call it a metaphor. I mean, God really is doing the work of breaking up the fallow ground of our hearts, planting the seed of His Spirit in our lives, and cultivating, nurturing, watering. Uh, All of this language is used throughout the New Testament, watering these attributes in our hearts and lives, so we're going to see it progressively throughout our lives. We're going to become more like God. We're going to become more, our character is going to more aptly reflect his character as we rely on the spirit, yield to the spirit, and let him do this cultivating work in our lives. Um, I think that one of the downsides of being a generation who loves like personality tests and that sort of thing, the self-assessments, is that a lot of times we're like, oh, which one am I? You know, so we do Myers-Briggs and we're like, which one, which type am I? So a lot of times we approach the fruit of the spirit this way. And we think, which of these fruits do I embody most? And so maybe we're a joyful a naturally happy person. So we think, oh, joy, or maybe we're, you know, a relatively friendly person. So we think, oh, I'm a kindness person. But the reason the scripture calls it the fruit of the spirit is that we are all called to bear these fruits. In our lives, this fruit is to be grown up in us as we mirror God's character, relying on the Spirit. So, know we've mentioned briefly what the gifts of the Spirit are, the different ones. So, there's you know shepherding or pastoring, even administration, healing, tongues. You know, there's so many different ways that the gifts can look. In our lives, but Uh we have to, we can't forget what it is. Why God calls it the gifts of the Spirit, because they are a gift to us to pass on to others. We are called to receive, we have been given unique gifts, each and every one of us, and they are things for us to gift to the local church through our service. So if somebody has the gift of teaching and they say to themselves, Well, I have a gift of teaching but like I do that in the classroom. And so I actually have, you know, maybe vocationally they're an elementary school teacher or something like that. And they think, you know, I do that enough. And so I don't have anything left on Sunday, so I'm not going to serve it in any way. Actually we're missing the gift that it is to us to serve other people. And we're also missing the responsibility that we have to share that gift with the local body. It really is for the edification of God's people. And so as we exercise our gifts. And I don't think each person has one. I think a lot of us have multiple gifts by the Spirit, and we can operate in different ways within the local church setting, but they really are to be a benefit and a blessing to the church. And each of us knows this sort of inherently, if we have been a part of a local church body where we have been supported or blessed, maybe in a difficult season, or maybe we just go to a church where the teaching is excellent. And we just are thankful that we have this service provided to us week in and week out, or we were really discipled by somebody who took us under their wing and taught us the ways of the Christian faith and taught us how to have a quiet time and taught us what it looks like to mother with grace, you know, whatever it is. If we've been really blessed by that, we're like, oh, what a gift that person was to me. What a gift that is in the church. And so we receive gifts from the Spirit, but we also share them with others so that the church might be built up and unified together.
0: Mm. I love that so much. We also have a conversation with Matt Lance on spiritual gifts. And so if you are wanting to dive deeper into that topic, I highly recommend that as well. What is the Holy Spirit doing in the church, as you mentioned, and how are we to use these gifts uh, that He has given us to actually not just bless one another in the body of Christ, but also to bring about the work Mm -hmm. of the Holy Spirit and what He is doing in the world?
1: Yeah. Oh, what a great, great question. Because Um, The spirit is really concerned with the people of God and really concerned for her health and her well-being, but also is extending beyond the walls of any local church, right? Beyond the walls of our buildings, even beyond the walls of our people. And so, um, like I said, I'm reminded of this day in and day out as we church plant, God is actually by His Spirit sending His gospel message out far and wide in our community, beyond our reach, you know, beyond the reach of people in our congregation, and that is by the power of His Spirit. So I, I think we do really well to remember the language of signs and wonders, which we've kind of covered a little bit in this conversation already, but the spirit is doing things around the world that we would do well to pay attention to. The spirit is doing things that are often unexpected um, in people's lives, often upending the apple cart a little bit in people's lives in a way that points them to Jesus. We hear stories that come out of the Middle East so often of individuals who have never heard the gospel but they have dreams of a man coming to them and saying you know, go find this individual, you're going to take this journey, go find this individual, and they're going to tell you the way of salvation. And they do. And it's like one of the rogue missionaries that exists in the Middle East, and they hear the message of salvation, and they are saved. I mean, God is doing things like that. And when we hear it, we it's easy for us to be a little skeptical because we are a skeptical culture. We're a skeptical generation, all those things. But when we see that a sign or a wonder is pointing to the glory of God and it's pointing people to salvation in Jesus, it's really important that we pay attention to that because it reminds us of our place in the universe. God does not rely on us for the gospel to go forth. God is not reliant on us to build his church. He's doing it sort of with or without us. And we have the privilege of just being involved in that work by his invitation. And so I think one of the coolest things that we get to do as Christians is accept the invitation of God to bear witness to his presence in the world. I mean, God's presence is the craving of the human heart and has been since the very day Adam and Eve left the Garden of Eden. So if we think about Adam and Eve's proximity to God in Eden, you know—it's the closest that mankind has ever been to the presence of God as they walked in the garden with him. Sin broke that relationship and therefore they were banished from the garden. So they lost access to God's presence. And ever since then, mankind has been hungering and hankering after the presence of God. And God gave them means of access or proximity to the presence of God, you know, through the tabernacle, They could enter the presence of God, but the tabernacle was always meant to be like rolled up. It was fabric. It wasn't, didn't have a permanent foundation. And the nation of Israel would carry it, pitch the tent and then roll it back up after they had met with God. There was the tent of meeting that Moses met in, but all these places that God said, Hey, I'll meet with you. But they were temporary. Then there was the temple and they could enter through the sacrificial system and have access to the presence of God by means of a priest. But it still wasn't full access to the presence of God. And then, of course, we have the true and better temple, the true and better tabernacle in the person of Jesus Christ. God made flesh walking our earth. But this is why Jesus even said it's better that the spirit comes. He's going to come and actually indwell you. We actually get to be living temples that hold the presence of God within our very bones. I mean, what an incredible invitation that is. So we get to walk through this world Proclaiming that the presence of God is available through the person and work of Jesus Christ. This is the hankering and hunger of every human heart to be made right with God and brought back into his presence. And that is the assurance that we have, the invitation that we have by the indwelling spirit of God that the presence of God is actually accessible. If the spirit can dwell in me, a broken vessel, if the spirit can dwell in me, a fallen human being, if the spirit can dwell in me, the chief of sinners, well, then I can tell my neighbor. Access to the presence of God is not something far off and far away and complicated to get to There's no maze. There's no hoops to jump through. There's just a Savior and submission to the Savior in confession of your sin and receiving His grace. And the presence of God can actually live among us again. So we get to be, as the church, this walking people of the presence and be a part of bearing witness to the fact that that is available to each and every person who places their faith in Jesus.
0: Mm. I love how you are just orienting our gaze to Christ and reminding us that our ministry in the spirit should testify to the work of Christ in our lives. Thank you so much for that. I feel like a lot of times we can complicate the whole situation and it's like, no, really, it really is all about Jesus. You know, I think as I'm going about my day, I just want to more ardently testify to what Christ has done in my life. And I want to, uh, to cling to him like with all that I am. But so often I feel like I'm just failing at doing that. You know, I just feel like it's just, why can I not remember this one thing? (laughs) How does the spirit of God help us to do that? How does the spirit help us cling to Christ in our everyday life?
1: Well, A lot of us have really strong internal voices that, you know, tell us whether we're doing a good thing or bad thing, a good job or bad job. And you will notice that even unbelievers will talk about this like as a conscience and or an inner voice that kind of directs us and affirms to us or you know doesn't affirm us so much when we're we don't feel good about the way we're living our lives or whatever it is but the spirit of god actually becomes for believers the the voice of god in our lives and we see it in scripture the spirit of god testifies to the heart of God in our lives. And one of the major pivotal points for me this last year has been as I approached wanting to grow in my prayer life, I found that my prayer life was kind of lackadaisical. I was, you know, sort of praying these routine prayers or I would get up early to pray. And I was like, did I really, like, I, I didn't make great use of that time, you know, it was sort of routine and And sometimes routine prayers are great. Like I've had great seasons of routine prayers that have really served me well. And I believe they've honored the Lord. But I was in a season that wasn't like that. I just knew I needed to grow. And I found myself, you know, here I've walked with the Lord for decades and I just didn't know where to start. And so one of the things that I asked the Lord was to remind me to pray. Throughout the day, bring prayer to mind. You know, when I'm in a sticky spot, bring prayer to mind. When I'm rejoicing in something, bring prayer Mm -hmm. to mind. And that was so unnatural to me. I sort of had camped my prayer life into this one hour segment of the day. And as much as I valued that and honored that time, I sort of hedged it in in a way that it didn't need to be. And so I was asking the Lord, by your spirit, would you break it out? Would you make my whole day a conversation with you? And it was really unnatural to me. So at first, I, you know, found myself crawling into bed at night and being like, I didn't, oh, I didn't do it again. Like once again, I went through my whole day. I had that one hour in prayer and, you know, then nothing. I was still living as though nothing had changed. But slowly but surely by the power of the Spirit, I would find myself washing dishes, looking out the window and thanking the Lord for the sunrise. And I would find myself stopping and praying at murals. And instead of just you know, sort of thank you Lord for this food, blah, blah, blah. Amen. You know, kind of just passing the words off my lips without a lot of heart meaning. I thought this is actually an opportunity to talk to my savior, talk to my God. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to take this opportunity before this meal because we're pressing to pray. Let's actually talk to God and engage our hearts and minds. And when I was, you know, approaching a difficult conversation. I could sense that a difficult topic was coming up with a friend. I would find myself asking the Lord to fill my tongue with words of wisdom and know what to say and what not to say. And all of a sudden I realized this is the work of the spirit in my life. The spirit is actually casting me on Christ testifying to me, proclaiming to me truth of the gospel that I know intellectually, but need to be reminded of. So as the spirit prompted me to pray, The spirit was reminding me of some really basic gospel truths. One, you are not self reliant. You are actually very dependent on God to do anything holy, to do anything right. You are actually dependent on God. Um, The second is that the flesh wants to cause us to stray. You know, when you're sitting at a meal, the reason that you're so tempted to, you know, pray these half hearted, you know, heartless prayers is because you're hungry. Like you really want to eat. There's like practical reasons for this. You know, there's a reason, you know, scripture says the spirit is willing, you know, the flesh is weak, right? We we have these times where the immediate needs in front of us are so present to us, so prominent to us that we neglect, you know, spiritual needs. Mm -hmm. in favor of our physical needs. And so it's a work of the spirit to reorient us and say, I need to talk to my father in the middle of the day, even as I'm hungry, we let our grumbling stomachs remind us that our souls Mm -hmm. are hungry for God, that we need Mm -hmm. God, that as much as we need food to sustain our souls, we need God to sustain Mm -hmm. us in our spiritual lives. And so Um, it's actually the work of the Spirit to reorient us and to proclaim these gospel truths to us in an ongoing way. Really, we see that the Spirit's pointing us to the gospel again and again and again, preaching that good news um, to our hearts. And we'll never grow tired of hearing it from the Spirit of God. We won't, because there's always something new for us to learn.
0: Mm -hmm. Amen and amen. I love um, the act of dependence that prayer is. And I think that's a great practical step for listeners who are really wanting to grow in their understanding of the gifts and fruit of the Spirit is just to ask the Lord, uh, you know, okay, God, will you produce in me the fruit of your Spirit? And God, will you show me how it is that I can serve your church, as you reference? Do you have any other practical steps for listeners who are just wanting to grow in their understanding of this topic?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of times we think, let's go read a book on the spirit, or let's go, you know, read a system theology. Listen and those things are great. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> Listen to a podcast. But I think, I think all of those things are super helpful. Like they can be really beneficial for us as we seek more understanding, we can learn from other people. So I recommend people that want to learn more in a sort of like written format, check out a systematic theology or, and it should, a good systematic will paint for you sort of the polar ends, both polar ends of this discussion that we had, cessationist and continuationist. you know, but mostly it should be talking about what the spirit of God does. Like it should focus on sort of those essential things. Who do we believe the spirit to be in our lives? But I also think we would do so well as we read our Bibles every day, just to notice the work of the spirit in the old and new testaments. A lot of uh-huh. times we read it and we're like yeah 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 the spirit. Like yeah yeah uh-huh. yeah. I'm like move on and then we're like oh look at all that Jesus did. And that is true. That I mean that gosh that is true. We can't overlook the fact that the spirit that dwells in us is the spirit of Christ. I mean, it, it, This is, we don't have three gods. It's not the third God that dwells in us. It's the third person of the triune God that dwells in us. So, of course, the spirit testifies to us the good news of the gospel because it's the spirit of Christ that dwells within us. Mm-hmm. But we do well when we stop and just notice all the places of the spirit is at work in scripture. So whether it's making a little list in a notebook as you're going through your time and just being like, Oh, the spirit testifies. That's one thing that the spirit does testifies to the will of God. Oh, the spirit directs believer steps. The spirit gives people discernment and wisdom. Like just keeping a list like that. Or having a certain color highlighter that you highlight. This is the work of the Spirit. And you're going to find, actually, the Spirit is at work in the New Testament in a really unique way, because the Spirit is indwelling believers in a permanent way for the first time. But also, we're going to see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament in a way that might surprise us. You know, the Spirit is filling prophets for the work of prophecy to the nation of Israel, calling them to repent and return to God. Um, And so I think we do really well when we just pay attention to what Scripture is already be saying?
0: Yeah, I love that so much. For me, it's a little circle. I just circle every time I see Spirit, Spirit of God, Holy Spirit. And it's really helpful because you're right. It's sometimes it's just easy to just pass over those things. And I think that's the purpose is that we would observe so that we can really start to understand like what God's doing in and through whatever passage we're reading. That's definitely one of my simple joys. And you've been such a help to me in growing in the practice of Bible study. Thank you so much. If you guys are listening and you want uh, more spiritual helps, obviously I've mentioned this many times, but Amy's just a wealth of resources really. So go follow her on Instagram and check out her website and things like that that your friendship was one of my simple joys. Studying God's word, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie, trumps our friendship. Those are two of my sure, simple joys. Sure. I want to hear three of your simple joys when it comes just to knowing and loving God more. We've talked about your your uh, basic simple joys in previous episodes. So what, what are your simple joys when it comes to knowing and loving God? Yeah, uh,
1: well, one of mine recently has been on the topic of prayer because I've wanted to grow in prayer. I've started using some... Books to aid my prayer life. So there are books like *The Valley of Vision* yes. um, that are written prayers that have really even helped. Bring up my
0: favorite book without oh, yeah. uh, like encouraging God. me
1: to interrupt. Come. On. <laughs> I just think so few people have utilized these. I didn't know about them for a long time. Like I didn't discover them until college, and gosh, when I did, I was like, "What a wealth that this is given yeah. us!" It encourages us to pray in areas that we probably. Wouldn't otherwise pray. There are some books by like Walter Brueggemann. He's written a couple of prayer books, um, like when he was a seminary professor. So he wrote down the prayers that he would pray for his seminary classes at the opening of his classes. And so um, some of those have been really helpful to me. So that's been a joy. Like all of a sudden, I find myself praying about big picture things that. I haven't had in the past. So um, that would be one. A second one um, has been employing kind of nervously for maybe the first time in my spiritual life, silence in my quiet time. So silence and solitude was one of the spiritual disciplines of the early church. So when we read about, I just finished becoming Elizabeth Elliot. Uh, which is a biography on Elizabeth Elliot's life. And I love Elizabeth Elliot and I'm so encouraged by what the Lord did in and through her. But she shares a lot in her journals about learning to just be in the presence of God. And I was like, oh, I, all of a sudden I felt like the Holy Spirit was pricking my heart. Like, this is something that I've never really done. Like, I've not really just sat in the presence of God and enjoyed (laughs) his presence. Um, I'm always reading or speaking. like. I'm just laughing because I'm
0: like, we're both like that. We're doers. We're like, do, do, do.
1: Yeah. And then what's next? And (laughs) give me something to learn or to write down or to pray back to God. And so just giving myself, you know, it's usually like five or seven minutes at the beginning of my quiet time. I read um, a prayer and then I've been giving myself just. Quiet time to reflect on it. It's amazing what happens in those few minutes of reorienting myself. Because usually I come to my prayer time almost already on my to do list for the day. Like, okay, God, you know, would you help Emerson take a really good nap today? Because I've got all these things that I have to get done. And those things, could you like make them go really well? You know, like it's not big picture stuff. (laughs) But if I read one of these prayers, you know, and then follow it with silence, I do find myself reoriented in a different way. And then the third is just being a part of a local church. I just think serving in the local body, there's nothing like it. And it, And I know it's unique for me to serve in the local body because I am a church planter, like vocationally, this is my job. But the Lord promises us in the book of Proverbs that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And I used to not really believe that. I was like, I think the only people that believe these are people in ministry because they want people to serve. So they tell people that they'll be refreshed as they serve other people. You know, so I used to think, oh, like kind of cynically, like, oh, of course, of course you teach that, you know, that... If we serve, we'll be filled up as we pour out. The Lord will fill us up. But goodness, like we can take God at his word and we can pour out our lives in the local church. And he really does fill us up. And I'm really encouraged when, you know, there are things in our family that we do because we're staff, right? There are things that we show up early. We set up chairs, blah, blah, blah. But there are things that we do just because we're Christians and it's not on the clock. And we take late night phone calls or we stay up afterwards and clean up because um, somebody who signed up to do it is sick. And there are just things that we do because we're Christians. And I actually have found so much joy in doing those things, stepping in when somebody can't fill in in the nursery or, you know, whatever. And there is just a joy that comes from serving God's people out of the overflow of knowing that you are serving in the house of God. I mean, David proclaims in the Psalms, like, gosh, I would much rather you know, be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell among the tents of the wicked. And the huh. the two scenarios he's pa- painting is like a servant who literally opens doors in a palace versus somebody who's like living it up, living the high life with those who don't follow God. And he's like, I would just rather be a doorkeeper like huh. in the house of God. And that's one of the opportunities that we get to have we get to rejoice like david like i get to clean toilets in the house of god i get to change diapers in the house of god (laughs) you know i get to set up chairs in the house of god like and how much better it is to do that he really gives us joy as we do it so those are my three
0: well i really thank you for your service to us uh today i thank you for your service to women in the church uh, myself included it's just been a joy As always, to get to chat with you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Learning Women
1: podcast. You're always so fun to talk to. I could talk to you all day.
0: We pray this episode with Amy encourages you to dig into God's word as you seek to know and love Him more. If you found it helpful, be sure to check out our archives and listen to the two episodes I mentioned in passing: The Fruit of the Spirit with Amy Gannett and Spiritual Gifts with Matt Lance. You can find those in the archives on our website at journeywomenpodcast.com. Hey, if you're listening to and enjoying the podcast, we would love it if you'd take a few minutes to leave a rating and review on iTunes like this one that says, As a new mother, I am so thankful for the solid teaching and encouragement on each episode of Journey Women. I can't get enough of this podcast. As a slightly older new mother, readjusting my solid routine has been hard. I feel like the teaching on Women has given me new perspectives and again, so much encouragement. Thank you for this review and thank you guys for taking the time to do this. Reviews like yours help get the podcast into the hands of other women who might be encouraged to simply look to Jesus as they listen. This episode was edited and sound designed by the team at SoundOn Studios. You can find out more about their work at soundonsoundoff.com. We are so grateful for them and for you. Can't wait to see you here next Monday.